0: Although I see this time as the worst time in my life, throw in a, a divorce and um, it, within that seven years, like it's it's without a doubt the hardest time in my life, but equally it's the best time because it taught me a lot about myself and my resilience and it taught me, I always said to myself, if I ever come good, if I ever fix this fucking thing, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. If I ever fix this thing, I'll never complain about anything else for the rest of my days.
1: That was Scott Gooding, and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey.
2: G'day, welcome back to the Regenerative Journey. If you had listened to last week's intro, you'll be not surprised to hear that this this intro is just as echo because I've done it and I'm doing it in the same room as last week here at the Farm Byron Bay. Thank you, Blair Beatty, and the farm's Footprint team for letting me sit in your chair, Blair, which is actually what's one of those ergonomic. Very smart, Blair. Very smart indeed. i um, never sat in such a comfy, supportive chair in all my life. Um, sitting here and... Um, Appreciate that i've got somewhere to do a recording um before i bang on about scott gooding the chef slash cook i'm not sure if um that does make me wonder because i'm not never i when a chef is a chef they're sort of trained and they're they've certainly done the hard yards in terms of uh, formal training whatever that even looks like i don't even know what it looks like now um i know that many a many a chef uh, as well as formal training uh, apprenticeships take place in the kitchen the bowels of Hotels and pubs and kitchens um, to cut their teeth, but I think there's and Scott may well be a good example of someone who could be called a chef, hasn't had the formal training, but has just has done as many hard yards in terms of their culinary skills and experience. Um, just a thought, one uh, because I'm <laughs> I'm never really sure if calling a chef a cook is. Is not is not acceptable, or if or if whether chefs get upset when when a um a cook or someone without the formal training is called a chef. I don't I don't know. It's all a bit political and PC for me, maybe. But anyway, Scott's the real deal. Um, before I bang on about him, I do want to talk about just quickly <clears throat> because it's worth um not quickly because it's it's insignificant, but quickly because I'm just conscious of time. Um, Scott's mother-in-law, Rachel Ward, who I interviewed, and I. Th- you is it's going back a couple of years now. In my first year, in 2020 it would have been, uh, August, September, somewhere around there, had the um, uh, lovely experience of chatting with Rachel on the veranda of their wonderful house and the sort of um, uh, mid – what would you, what'd you call it? Mid-North Coast? No, it's sort of oh, Nambucca, near there. Um, lovely little farm. And that farm has become the setting of uh, a new film, a documentary that she's released it's actually going to be released on the third of August, uh, I think officially. But she's doing some Q and A's and panel sessions um, throughout the throughout the world, the, well, the country. Which well, she has been over the world with it. It was it was it went to, um, I've shown at a few film festivals across the world. Rachel's farm. Oh my god! Someone's again. We're having staffies out the out the back here at the farm, at Byron Bay, and someone sounds like they're getting throttled. Um. So excuse me for you, a bit of screeching in the background. Uh, Rachel's farm. So her farm. Um, has is the is the the site the scene the story of um Rachel's farm and I saw it the other day and was so beautiful I had to text um Rachel immediately because I was just it was a lovely thing Angelica thought was just fantastic and all power to you Rachel for creating, producing directing, pulling together such a wonderful um such a wonderful film uh, doco about your your regenerative journey essentially that's what it has been from you know. 30 or so years of conventional farming and then involving your neighbours, the Greens and, and other friends and your journey through. It was just so well put together. So please, anyone who has feels so um, uh, inclined to watch it, Google it, find it, so check out a, a, um, a screening near you, uh, 3rd of August, I think it's officially released. I hope I've got that date right. But go and see it. It's fantastic. Now, as I was speaking, Dave Westbrook, he just sent me a text, which reminds me, um, Dave Westbrook, Westbrook I interviewed, which, I can't remember which season, three or four, so that was going back early last year. Was it the year before, Dave? I can't remember. Farm Owners Academy. Now, a couple of things there. Dave, lovely bloke and such a big future in front of him. Um, fantastic interview we had there at Hannah He was travelling around his tra- tra- traveling around Australia with his um, lovely family, Becky's wife and the kids, um, in a caravan that Farm Owners Academy had sort of um, uh, sorted out for him and allowed him to do some coaching and travel and you know achieve a few of his personal goals and my point being that um I spent some time with Dave recently and a couple few hundred other farmers at a farm owners academy conference which was fantastic and um for two days really very eye opening very interesting group fantastic stuff they're really doing some good stuff i'm not being paid by by them by the way i just i'm just Keen to share what my happens in my world every now and again. And what happened over those two days was fantastic. I really enjoyed the um the process that Farm Artists Academy was going through, um, in terms of business business growth and development and getting the foundation right and that sort of stuff. Really interesting stuff. Dave's a coach for them and um I am better reply to his text message shortly. sounds very interesting. He's got an idea. Um <laughs> Anyone who knows Dave please don't ring him up when you if you listen to this and say what was the idea because it's probably between her and i at the moment so but there there's there's a bit of a plug for farm owners they're really lovely lovely group and um really pleased to have spent two days there with them just understanding their what their what their um uh their offering is their service and their genuine um desire to help farmers and and you know uh create you know freedom farmers is basically their tagline how do you how do you create a situation a business where you can be a farmer who doesn't have to be on the farm. I think that's a bloody good idea. Now, to Scott Gooding, (laughs) lovely bloke. I can't remember if I've already mentioned this. You'll hear it in the first few minutes, um, chatting. And then something happened that was quite strange, and then we started on some tangent about how strange that was and other experiences we'd had, but other strange experiences we'd had. Uh, We got right off track. We didn't sort of go back to him for a little, (laughs) little bit. But um, lovely, lovely bloke. We um, from his sort of um, early beginnings in the UK and then moving out to Australia and his you know rise to you know notoriety in various circles. Um, his meeting and and partnering with Matilda Brown, Rachel's daughter, and the fantastic things they've been doing in their space and the food space and the health space. He's a really fit rooster, is Scott. And um, lovely to because we've been sort of trying to track down. Um, time to, to meet and have the interview for some time. So it was lovely to be up there in his, in his happy place, sitting on the veranda overlooking Pacific Ocean, um, over the top of Whale Beach there, watching the Eagles sort of, you know, catch the thermals over the, over the um, peninsula there to head, head east, head west, I should say, into the pit water. Just fantastic. So um, the sights and sounds of a beautiful part of the world. Lovely bloke. And I really hope you enjoy this chat. was really relaxed. That's what I have to say, which is the way we like to roll. uh, This interview with Scott Gooding on the regenerative journey. Scott Gooding, this is paradise. paradise. This is paradise. (laughs) (laughs) This is incredible. Beautiful birds. Yeah. You sometimes get huge
0: sea eagles that sort of want to get back onto the other side, so they use the thermals. To get it over the, get themselves over the ridge, and as they go over, you see that they've got like a big fish in their talons
2: and. Incredible. yeah, amazing. Well, isn't it lovely? There's actually still um, a whole lot of bird life here. Mm. Scott, we're going, we're on, we're it's away. Possible. No, have a sip, have a sip. Oh, hang on, no, we're not. What's going on there? I thought that was, that was on. Here we are. You're you were using your um your camera, your phone, thankfully, because mine ran out of storage, but um. We're off, I've and got that filter that makes us look handsome, more handsome. Well, you me. clearly, <laughs> clearly, it's only, it's only working on half the screen. You're handsome, and I don't know I'm about not. About that it was, it looked,
0: My head looks very small compared to yours.
2: Yeah, I know. I've got a, I've got a beard and a lot of, lot You're of very square. You're very yeah Roman oblo- oblong as as uh, which is yeah. rectangle for most. When I was at school, people we learnt in school when I was at primary school oblong didn't know what the word rectangle was. Right? Ever heard of oblong? Yeah. Yeah. And then, then someone said, oh, that's rectangle. What's rectangle? But anyway, that's the, that's, that's the shape of my head. Um, welcome to the regenerative journey. <laughs> and that's that about. was not the record. That's not the record for the, for the, for the most amount of chit chat before the intro. Um, Scott, welcome to the regenerative journey and welcome to the, the veranda of your, your residence up here at Wild Beach in the northern beaches of, uh, Sydney. Thank you. It's nice to have you back. Yeah, well, it was only it was only early early December. Yeah, um, yeah, tenth of December or something. What, why? What was I here for? <clears throat> what you can't remember that? <laughs> no, was No, <laughs> I drove. I drove. Uh, you
0: were here as part of a small, intimate gathering for, um, like a private luncheon, I guess, with the beautiful Zach Bush.
2: The Bush. The Bush.
0: The Bush. Um, yeah, I saw someone else from there a couple of days ago, yesterday, actually. Um, it was lovely. Yeah, it was really nice. It was nice to have... I, th- I think the, the number of people made it what it was, you know. It was just small, intimate. Um, and, you know, every, everyone was like-minded. And I think there's something to be said for... wallowing in the energy that Zach Bush emits, you know. Like, there's something... Yeah, he's a pretty pretty special guy.
2: He is an emitter, isn't he? Of, he, is. of, of, we did, he? He He's prone to talk about the emission of carbon and kind of that whole cycle, thankfully. He's not one of those people who run around talking about the one-way traffic going into mm-hmm. the atmosphere and so on. He's got lots of other parts of that story. But um, I suspect he was probably grateful to have a little intimate thing as well because he'd been doing pretty much, you know, a lot of public, um, reasonably large public Um, appearances hadn't he and he was only here for 10 days i think
0: yeah he's he's of he's in that stratosphere that you know i guess he has to be mindful of his energy because everyone wants to speak to him everyone wants to Mm. meet him he's going to these events that you know there's probably cues before and after that want to shake his hand and and have a little exchange so um he's 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 definitely in that stratosphere that he needs to sort of guard himself somewhat but so he, he probably did appreciate that
2: there was only, I don't know, what what 15? Yeah, it would be 15 yeah. handful of people. Does that door usually open by itself?
0: Only when there's spirits.
2: <laughs> well, the one's going for a bath. <laughs> 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 for those who can't see, because you can't, and I'm a bit scared to move the camera, um, there's a lovely enamel bathtub on the veranda down here, and... Um,
0: that's should, where I was moments before you. Oh, came really?
2: It. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scott did greet me with without well, your shirt on, which was a bit intimidating for an unfit <laughs> bloke like me. Um, but if we see the tap turn on water going to there, I mean, uh, it, that's, it, that's it, when it we honestly, should worry.
0: I'm, I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not a particularly huge believer in. In the supernatural. Yeah, I'm not a believer. I'm not a non-believer either. Yeah. But I probably err on more on the side of a Mm non-believer but there are things that happen in this house that i can't explain it's not frightening it doesn't and i'm not saying that in a macho kind of way yeah if if it is a spirit it's not a demonic terrifying spirit so it doesn't scare you but there are noises if you if you care to stay one night i'm sure you'll experience the same but
2: yeah, Till and That, and my, often that s- might be a good reason not to stay. <laughs>
0: it's,
2: it's just my long winded way of you. I'm glad you're. <laughs> you. <laughs> Look, you wouldn't want to stay. You can stay, but you wouldn't want to because there's someone else no, in Quite
0: often, Till and I, are like, you know, we've gone to sleep how, for however long, I'm not sure, you know, an hour, two hours, and then we find ourselves both sitting up bolt upright going, what was that? Mm. You know, in footsteps. Things moving, a toy, a toy truck rolling down the hallway, like really? unexplained things.
2: Yeah, well, more more than just like um, the wind or the mm. or a, a, a. I mean, look, truth be known, I'm a big fan of the supernatural. Oh, really? Well, fan in terms of, um, you know, I kind of, I, I'm fascinated by it. It's it's to me as a trained in science and different sciences. Mm. Um, I've got that but I've also as a reference point but also the um I just love the fact that there is shit going on that we can't explain or we mm. can't put a number to or a, mm. or, a, or we can't see there's so much going on around us that we can't see and when I finally get you to one of our biodynamic workshops we do talk about um nature spirits and that sort of unseen um the unexplained the un unmeasurable part of nature which which I think is probably 99% of nature Mm. You know, there's what we can see, and that's a that's mm. a palm, and it's lovely, and it's green, and it's you know living, and there's just I think there's just so much more going on. So back to your house, you know, there there are um, I have absolutely no doubt there's that the 99% of these houses anywhere in the world mm. has residual energies in it. People who used to live there that are deceased, generally. Um, Sometimes residuals can be left in houses by people who are still alive, but they, while they were living in there, or they visited, even they only, only takes a visit, leave subtle yeah. energies that are imprinted. Yeah, you know, like hotels the classics for that. Yeah. I mean, the turnover of people, like three hundred sixty five different people, could sleep in their bed in a year. Yeah, you know, and God knows what happens yeah, in, we're not in that those busy beds. Here. <laughs> Oh, oh, that, oh, that makes me feel better <laughs> yeah. that given the invitation was yeah given and then taken away. But
0: apparently, um, there there is some spirit that resides in the bedroom downstairs. <clears throat> so, if my son, who whose bedroom it is downstairs, is listening to this, I'm sorry, mate. I, I should have told you, but um, yeah, apparently that's his or her. I think it's a him. I think it's an old old fella. How do
2: you know that? What was, well, like, um, did, did you have someone go, oh, hang on, I, I can sense it, or you've been told by the previous... Oh,
0: Till likes to connect with... Um, what are those people that... Uh,
2: um, Not mediums, well, but they're... Well, they're kind of mediums, aren't they? Like yeah, um, in,
0: they have a different name. Anyway, she likes they're to... They're in that
2: world, the world yeah, of Spooky Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so she speaks to one of those... Probably annually, yeah. just to get a check in. Am I am I on the right path? And the last time she did, she asked about is there a spirit here? And the lady said, yeah, there's a there's a an old gentleman who is in the bedroom downstairs. He actually just wants, you know, he doesn't want anything from you. He mm. he. He he's, he isn't a uh, malevolent force. He's you know he's yeah. ki- he's a kind man until um, so it's like yeah we got the sense that he wasn't trying to scare the shit out of us. He was you know just tinkering around while we were sleeping.
2: Well, sometimes they can I can wish he
0: bloody tidy up while
2: we're <laughs> sleeping. No, <do> you know? <laughs> be useful. <laughs> um, well, sometimes he's been mis- mischievous, and and I've done a um, a couple of courses with a fellow called Doctor Patrick McManaway, and he he's he's a he's a, he's, a, he's Scottish lives in Vermont half the year in Scotland the other half, does a subtle energy course. He's actually... He's here at the moment, actually, in Queensland. Fascinating stuff. And he... Uh, subtle Energies and Geomancy, which is kind of... Well, Geomancy is kind of the... The the clearing... My definition, anyway, is a clearing of natural and sometimes man-made um, energies in the, in the landscape. So here, for instance, Wild Beach... I have no doubt, and I'm not that in tune to kind of go, oh, there's one there and one there, but there would be um, ley lines, um, some natural, which would be um, just energies um, in the natural landscape which flow from here to there and and so on. There would also be indigenous, because this is quite a prominent spot and maybe these headlands would be indigenous, Mm. um, lay down ley lines as well. Um, Now, if someone like Patrick can, can... can because rem- 'cause they're not dissimilar. A, a a subtle energy ley line over here is not dissimilar in terms of it's how you deal with it as a as a spirit in a in a bedroom in the in downstairs. And they can be removed and it's a matter of acknowledging them, asking there in the case of I'll oh, mate downstairs there I know, just bear with me. This is pushing it, isn't it? <laughs> asking their asking their no, it, it's no, fascinating no, I, was, I
0: wasn't laughing at that I was laughing at you just calling him an old mate I wasn't <laughs>
2: laughing at what you were saying no. <laughs> and, and, and asking their loved ones to come back because basically he has been left behind
0: yeah well that's exactly what this lady said to Till uh, if, if you if you want him to you know move on yeah just acknowledge him and say you know kind of in so many words you know it's okay for you to move on
2: well, one thing, one thing there is that if you can, um, if one can, um, you either get someone to do it for you or you kind of just you know, put the intention in, Is asked for his um, family or his relatives or his loved ones to come back and take them, take them to where he needs to go. Because generally that happens when someone is dies suddenly and they don't even know they're dead. Wow. Um, they, and there's, there's three or four ways. and Another one is that they... Um, they die without having finished a purpose and they don't want to go and they're hanging on. Right. And there's a third or fourth one I can't remember. But there's reasons why these spirits tend to stick around.
0: Mate, do you want to... Should we take all this equipment downstairs?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's performing <the> exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, uh, yeah, look, I'm not... Uh, we've You're done not some. No, not qualified. I haven't got my ticket. But I've, I've done... <laughs> I mean, but I sort of I love it in terms of I appreciate it and it makes some sense. I mean, here we are weren't intending to talk about that but it's it, it, well, I, it I, came up
0: my for, i've got a my father in law who you would know yes is, he's a very um he's probably the most practical man i've ever come across like mm. he's very matter of fact yeah. um practical you know he's got a you know he's a sort of um it's not his profession but he's you know he's he's Statistics. Hmm. he's mathematical, like, that's his... Objective, mo- objectivity, yeah. yeah. That's his mode. Yeah. And he's not one for the supernatural, but he's got this story of when he was living in London of this thing, this entity, jumping on his back, and he wrestled with this thing for, like, half an hour, slamming it up against a wall like he was dripping in sweat. And, you know... Next time you see him, ask him about his story, because the way he tells it is, is, you know, it puts
2: shivers down your spine, you know what I mean? And why would you make that shit up, too? Like, as long as you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like... Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. But coming from, the t- coming from the mouth of a, the man that he is, you're like, well, that happened. There's something in that, That's, yeah. Yeah, like, he's not just telling it for shits and giggles. Like, that actually happened, and it's
2: unexplained. Does he know there's something downstairs? He <laughs> might be too scared to go in there. You to get jumped uh, on again.
0: Well, he's got a farm as well. He was yeah. saying he was saying the other week that um, I forget. It probably came about when we were talking about this this guy downstairs. That for about twenty years, so they've had the farm for forty. So half that yeah. time, there was a a spirit, a, a man, a, a farmer that used to. They now Mm -hmm. think that we used to live on the property, it used to be an old dairy, and then it was a pig farm. So somewhere in that timeline, somebody died, and that spirit, that guy still is lingering around and made himself known to not only the family, but other people that were staying there. You know, kids that from other families that were staying would be, like, woken up in the middle of the night with this man standing at the foot of their bed, like... Horrific stories, like yeah. you're a kid. Not not, not quite
2: as <laughs> passive as your friend downstairs. No. Well, I mean, again, yeah, you know, that can be dealt with. Um, oh, so you said twenty years ago. So is it yeah, been last, dealt with? Uh,
0: not not. Um,
2: got used not to deliberately, it.
0: deliberately. Not nothing. There was no sort of intervention. But yeah, he reckons for the last twenty years, there's been nothing. But I tell you what, there's some there's some outhouses at the farm that you know, even me as a grown man, who doesn't really. Assigned to the supernatural. <laughs> I don't really want to sleep on my own. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I had. Yeah. A, I stayed there one night last year, year before. Yeah, right. In the barn, you know. I think it'd only just oh. been done up. Yeah, you, know, you know. So straight across on the main house. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, so that's, diagonal. That's, yeah. Ah. Oh. oh, and It's got a little bathroom at the on the back oh. corner there. No, no, you're all right there. That was. <laughs> oh, I I <laughs> slept the- well. It's the one directly opposite the main
0: house they call the bunkhouse.
2: Oh, yes. Yes, I know which the Which I'm going up there
0: tomorrow, and that's where I'll be sleeping for the next three or four nights. And there's no question in my mind that something operates in that space.
2: Well, you can... Um, we'll get to interviewing you in a minute, where you can, I mean, you can, um. You didn't expect this, did you? No, no, this is, this is, this is what I love about this sort of stuff, you know? Um, you know, not just this specifically spooky Wawa, but just the, you know, the dancing and the conversation.
0: Everyone's tuned in for some farming.
2: Oh, no, they're going, what are you going to talk about? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, you can do things like bring in white light and do have a sage, you know, like a smudge stick and do all that sort of stuff, and Brian might look at you and go, hey, oh, you yeah, bloody weirdo, and then just then remind him about the entity on his back.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so, the, okay, there you go. Well, thanks, Scott. That's, a, right. that's a wrap. That's a wrap for uh, Supernatural.com. <laughs> oh, no, I might come back. Um, who knows where it's going to appear in the next little while. Scott. Um, so, and just for the for the listeners' um, a benefit, we are we, we are in a suburban sort of situation. So there is um, uh, children in a pool next door, and and birds chirping, and 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 the waves rolling in. So if there is some, Ho- I can't hear us at all. Probably. No, <laughs> no, they've probably <laughs> tuned out by now. Um, that sound quality. So oh, yeah, if you hear a bit of that. Yeah, you know, the only other thing that could probably happen is the chopper over the over the top or something like that. So, um, Scott, let's. Um, this is. I mean, I guess I, I ended, we're here because it's convenient. You were you're at home, and that worked out a treat here on a, on, a, on a Easter weekend. And also, I like to pounce on my guests in their happy place. I mean, is this is this apart from my old mate downstairs? Is this is this a happy place for you? This, I mean, I, I- well, th- this house in general, but probably
0: where we are, you know give or take, a metre or two is yep. probably my... I spend an obscene amount of time just looking at the ocean, which I think I've always... I've been lucky enough in the last... Probably even when I was in the UK, the last stint I had there before I emigrated, I was close to a beach, mm. you know, within walking distance. Um, so I've always, like, found it a place to gaze and sort of lose yourself a little bit, but... Having we spoke about this offline a second ago, but yeah, let's um, not
2: let's yeah, let's share anything that we've said offline uh, for um, sure that's appropriate. <laughs> don't, don't, there's not much. <laughs> we had no, a good, but, no, but, a good but, but
0: I've got into surfing in the last sort mm. of several years, so it's now become there's now another reason to, to gaze at the ocean, so it's a, it's a very it's a spot that sort of clears your mind. There's something to be said for seeing the horizon and that big expanse. It, it clears the mind. And when the roll, when the waves are rolling in and the 10-foot-plus, you know, it kind of, like, it, it reduces your ego a little bit. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, there's this thing just down there that's yeah. forever moving. It doesn't stop. All through the night, the waves are crashing. It kind of just puts you back in your place a little bit because there's a force down there that's, you know... Far, I'm, far I'm greater. Not, Yeah, I'm not the type of surfer that paddles out in any condition. Like, you know, beyond sort of four or five foot, I'm like, I'm out. Um, because it is relentless, it is um, a force to be reckoned with and you shouldn't, you shouldn't sort of take it lightly. I mean, it doesn't look like it now, today. It's quite serene and beautiful and calm and tranquil, but... Um, so, yeah, I guess just over there I spend a lot of hours and my hours <laughs> it makes it sound like I've got, but, you know, over the course of a day it's probably an hour or two just sort of resting my elbows on there looking out. Don't, I tell mean, me, don't
2: tell my wife that. She <laughs> thinks I'm busy working, but... <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm really busy today. <laughs> yeah. She'll set up a little camera here and go, yeah, no, I know, know what you're doing. No, she
0: knows exactly what I'm doing at every given moment,
2: I reckon. Well, I don't blame you for spending uh, quality time here looking at that amazing view. It's mesmerising, isn't it? Yeah, a little yacht good. poking along there. And yeah. as I was saying before, as, as kids we would rent, or uh, well, mum and dad would, um, a house at the northern end up there which is no longer there and there's certainly a whole lot of houses in front of it where there used to be a big lawn, well, there was um, vegetation and it was a long, thin block. Um, I couldn't, I can't even tell which house it is now really but um, it was a lovely, lovely spot and quiet and there was a sort of a group of country people who always come up every every summer. we do three weeks here. Dad would go back for every week to check, you know, because of fires or just mm. to check on the farm. It's um, it's and as I was saying, my grandparents um, lived at Collaroy, which is not far to the south, and it was I just love it up here. It's just such a. You, it's only when you get up here and go, why don't I come up here more often?
0: Yeah, you know. Well, it's one of those places that it'll, it'll never overdevelop. You know, you can see, you know, it's not short of houses, but equally there's space and there's lots of vegetation, there's trees. Yeah. They'll never put high rises or blocks of units in. Um. So it's this beautiful little cove, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, I've got friends who live a stone's throw away, but they're on the other side, so they're on, they look down on pit, pit water, water. Yeah. Which, you know, you know, it's bloody first world problems, but... You know, Lovely sunsets. Beautiful sunsets. sunsets um, mm, but there's... Not quite. This but the, the water at pit doesn't really change, you know. There's, it's obviously tidal and all that, but here, back to my point and my my um, my excuse for looking at the ocean as much as I do is that it's always changing. You know, mm-hmm. obviously there's there's tides, but there's winds, there's there's whales, there's boats, there's jet skis. It's there's always something to look
2: at. Well, it's like um, not entertainment. Right, that's not the right word, but yeah. it's just it is it is it's. Um Feast it dies. holds one's attention, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, now we better pay our attention to your life, Scott. Oh, um, so why don't we start? Can we start in wherever that began? You know, <coughs> the place, the circumstance, um, just to set the scene for us. Because I know <coughs> it wasn't. It wasn't in Australia that no, no, you ap- you appeared.
0: Yeah, I appeared. I popped my head out in Camden Town, in London. In 1975, so my mum and dad ran pubs. They were the youngest publicans of that time in London. I think my mum was like 19, my dad was 22 or thereabouts. So pretty young to have your your own pub. Well, what was it called? The first pub they had was the par's Head on Plender Street. The Parr's Head? The Parr's Head. Thomas Parr. Ah. was a... I won't even pretend to know what Thomas Parr did. I did look it up once, but I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he he had a pub. He was significant enough to have a pub named after him. And there was this cute little old pub on, on Plender Street just off Camden High Street. So they were there for a number of years. Um, and then they were given a pub on number one, Camden High Street, um, called the Southampton Arms. And so I think I was conceived in the Parr's head... I was born <laughs> in Southampton Arms,
2: and we lived there. You know, hang on, in a hospital or in yeah, the actual yeah, pub? Yeah,
0: in Middlesex University Hospital, okay, London.
2: Cool. So it wasn't like, you know, no. in the sports bar of the, <laughs> or the back bar? Of TAB, the, yeah. <laughs> oh, fancy. yeah, lovely, lovely. Um, and
0: so I guess it's worth noting, because I'm sure we'll get there, that my mum and dad, not only being young publicans, were trying to pave the way somewhat changed, whether they knew it at the time, but somewhat changed the, the landscape of pubs. Um, I mean, I, I went back back to the UK at Christmas and every pub is now a, a food pub.
1: Right? Well, a so focus on food. Yeah, yeah so right.
0: I would say it's probably hard, you'd be hard pushed to find like a, a quintessential boozer now, as we used to call yeah, them, you know, yeah. like a, a real drinker's pub. Um, but that was definitely the case back in the day is, you know you'd flip that there'd be hard you'd be hard pushed to find good grub in in a pub but my my mum started putting you know she put like a, a sort of what we would call a pie warmer on the counter and would serve up steak guinea pie and cottage pie and the shepherd's pie did she make them she, yeah all homemade yeah beautiful and so then over time they got a bit a bit of a reputation for that and people would come as much for the drink as they would for the feed. Um, and then that sort of developed, went beyond the pie warmer sitting on the, the counter to you a know, full menu and you'd sit down and dine just like you, know, you, you do now. But back then it was kind of not the norm. Um, so I guess how that influenced me is that I've always been around food I'm sure we'll jump ahead on why that apply you know why is that relevant now but because I'm a chef and I work in the food industry but I can now see the lineage and the the link between where I am now and what what are, what parts of food are, are attractive to me and how that relates to my upbringing I like you can't you actually can't you know what you can't pull them apart like it's so The first time I really understood it was I was, I've written a number of cookbooks, but there was one cookbook in particular that was an e-cookbook actually. And it was the first time I was writing on my own because the first few I I was a co-author. There was no um, publisher. So I was like, okay, well, what are the recipes that I really want to see in in a cookbook? And they were all recipes that, you know, were reminiscent of when I was growing up. and so you, 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 and now fast forward however many years, I'm making steak and kidney pies mm. that are, are, is what my mum became sort of renowned for in, in her local community. Like people would drive miles on a Saturday morning to get the, you know, the, before we unlocked the door of the pub, the car part would be, you know, pretty much full, waiting for, you know, people waiting to get the, the first hot pies coming out of the kitchen. Wow. So it's funny now that I'm, you know, I'm cooking exactly the it's same thing. Yeah. In a way. Why?
2: full why, why did they go against the grain or, or decide that they would, you know, pioneer somewhat that kind of a culture, you know, um, food culture there? What Or yeah, their motivation?
0: I, yeah, I, I, my dad's not with us anymore, unfortunately. Maybe it's him that's downstairs. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, don't get rid of him then. <laughs> <laughs> He's very welcome. Um <laughs> Look, you know, if I said... If I would ask my mum, you know, what was your motivation or, you know, did you realise you were pioneering a movement, she'd be sort of, you know, she'd laugh that off or wouldn't say that, you know, she was contributing to anything uh, um, significant at all because she's so modest. But I don't know. I, I think, you know... Maybe there was some some sort of economic advantage if people are coming in, you know, they can come in for beer and beer alone. But maybe if you um, offer something else, i.e., food, maybe people come in for food as well. There's probably more money to be made in food over over pints. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a. Mm. But they wouldn't have been. They weren't the type of people to think. You know, let's
2: let's carve out this new. No, you know, it might have been not their intention. Yeah, it was just not their intention. Kind but, of what you saw in it. But
0: now, yeah, as I say, I was there at, at Christmas, and like the standard of food in pubs now is like phenomenal. Mm. Um, you know, we we um, we ate at a pub most most lunch times um, when we were there because you know there's, there's something in my DNA. Clearly, my my upbringing. Dictates this that you know I I love the smell of a pub or a beer soaked bar towel <laughs> or floor a sticky floor
2: the carpet the carpet like
0: I you know it's like smelling an old an old friend an old yes smelling an old friend <laughs> like smelling an old man <laughs> it's like smelling an old toy probably yeah, yeah you know totally, like it's.
2: Yeah. Um, well I guess and, so, you know, that's nice that the, that, that, come, that 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 brings up um happy, you know good memories. Oh yeah
0: like and you know I'm 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 a bit of a fussy fan a bit of a snob so I don't want to go to any pub I want to go to the probably the oldest pub or the cutest looking pub or mm. so you know I took my not like, the slug and lettuce not the slug and lettuce no no <laughs> they're the pubs I'll I'll avoid but I'll go to <laughs> you know I took took the family to a pub in Norwich which is like you know, it's a thousand years
2: old. No way. So you know, I'm reading everything on the walls
0: and looking at the walls, and you know, it's you know, I want to soak all that up.
2: That's Are there any 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 sort of that, that type of food, that that cuisine in uh, pubs? You know, is there any that you you sort of your go tos in Sydney? Just to, if to give them any of any a plug. Is there anywhere or or not? I mean, you don't have to. No, it up. no nothing I've, quite.
0: I've, so. Yeah, Till and I
2: hardly ever go out Certainly,
0: we, you know, we, we found it mildly amusing that we were dining every lunch time in a pub because it's just not <laughs> something that we would do back home like we got into a bit of a habit of you know you got to bear in mind it was the middle of winter um, and so you're out for a couple of hours and then you want to get in somewhere snug and we got into this habit of finding the cutest oldest pub and having a pint in the middle of the day, that's a great uh, idea. Yeah, getting getting some grubbing for the for the family and the kids and stuff it was it was a nice little ritual we we uh, we inhabited for three weeks. It was good.
2: So, was did Mum have you in the kitchen rolling pastry to make pies? Where did your where was what was your apart from going the smells and the, and seeing them in the pie warmer? What, where where did your interest in food, I mean, I guess you're in that environment, but was there a particular moment or a thing that you were, you specialised in and or, you know, that kind of mm. propelled you into that world?
0: Um, well, I started working in the pub at a, at a pretty young age, you know, bottling up, putting bottles back on the shelves before school and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I guess I did a, a lot of growing up in a pub, um, called The Swan just outside of Bedford in a little, cute little village called Bromham. And so I was there from, you know, probably... We were there for 10 years. I left when I was, you know, 6 to 16 probably. Um, and I would get home from school, and this is going to sound terrible, but my mum and dad were asleep, right? So I'd get home from school at whatever, th- half 3, 4 o'clock, and my dad would be in bed and my mum would be asleep on the, the lounge because in the, those days pubs weren't allowed to open 24-hour, you know, unbroken opening hours. You had to close. So at 3 o'clock you close, you back open at 6, I think. So there was a lull in the day, so they would sort of recharge their batteries. So when I got home, I'd be hungry from school. Well, they were asleep. God, God forbid I'd wake my dad... Um, certainly wouldn 't want to make my mum either, so i'd just make myself something to eat and you know i 'm not talking about anything uh, caught on blur, but you know i would there was a fridge you know a double door stand up fridge full of f- fresh produce and i and I know now that that's that 's a privilege and a you know that 's not replicated in everyone 's home so I, I I kind of understand the the fortuitous position that we were in, that we had a busy kitchen and there was a need for fresh produce. So, you know, I'd quite often make something that I thought was edible. (laughs) And I guess over the years you kind of, like any craft, not that I thought about it like this at the time, but with anything, like the more you do of something, you know, the more reps you do, the better you get at that thing. Um, And then, so that was after school, so I was sort of making my own, my own food at pretty young age and then you know the doors would open again at six and punters would roll in it was a big pub you know dining room and lounge and a public bar so there was orders flying into the kitchen we had either my mum or there was another chef there and so I had two choices if I wanted to eat that night I could sneak my order in into the pad this is before iPads and all that Malarkey, but I would sneak my order in and just put, you know, instead of like table four, I'd be like, Scott, upstairs, you know. <laughs> um, or I would jump in and make it myself.
2: Amongst and the, in amongst the sort of... The, the, yeah, the, so yeah.
0: either way, I was a pain in the arse because the chef there was this Scottish... Oh, he was not the nicest, most pleasant <laughs> man you can, you've ever met. But So either way, I was going to get in... In his way. I was going yep. to get in his row. So he'd either see my my order and there was no way he was going to make that in the order that he saw in the pad. He'd be like, little prick, he can wait. <laughs>
2: um,
0: so invariably I just jumped in and made it myself. Yeah. Um, and scooted around everyone in the kitchen. Yeah. And then, you know, isn't isn't far from then you, that you're living out of home and you're having to cook for yourself. And um, But it, it's something that I... I, I love cooking, like just like sitting up here at the the balcony and peering out. Being in the kitchen is my is my you know. If you ever come to a party here, you'll find me in the kitchen, not I, not I, not anywhere else. It's kind of my sanctuary. It's,
2: well, when it's we like, were just getting back to when when Zach Bush was here, you were absent because you had I know an oven didn't work too, so you were trying to cook fish and you had some big chunky bits of. Beef there as well and all sorts of other yummy things. So we didn't see much of you until, until towards the end. So I totally get it. That's your, that's your happy place. Mm. Um, so it's interesting that you, in your ex, I guess it was, would have been quite experimental for you. You wouldn't have had, uh, I'm not sure if you're using recipe books or just intuition or just like, oh shit, that, that, I'll put that with that and see what happens. But that would be an interesting, playground for creativity without, you know, on your own, mm. between three and six, just like cooking up something, that's probably mm. quite a unique um, scenario for someone to, I guess, experiment without probably too much criticism or guidance, you know?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, A, you've got the meat, you're in, you know, you're in a commercial kitchen, so you've got all the pots and the pans and all the gadgets that you need. You've got a fridge or a freezer full of produce. It's sort of you know that the canvas is there you know what I mean um, it, it it was a you know as I said knowing where I am now and what what excites me you can now see I can now see where it all started mm. it, it's it's clear as day for me that that um, that that lineage and that that connection with my my youth you know I was you know the foods that were in my pack lunchbox. So my pack lunchbox, and this is, this is not actually what I wanted at the time, because as a kid you want to fall in with everyone else. You want to, you want to be part of the mob. You don't want to be the, the odd one out. But my pack lunchbox smelled very different to, <laughs> to all my It Probably looked different. Yeah, yeah, you know, I had things like, you know, prawn sandwiches, which doesn't sound. You know, back then that was pretty fancy or you'd have, you know, liver sausage sandwich instead of, you know, little Johnny over there has got Marmite Mm. sausages, but I've got like liver sausage. And so I was like, I'd loved it, but it smelled very different. (laughs) Um, You know, growing up on the types of, you know, kidneys and livers and beef cheeks and osabuco, all, you know, oxtail, all that stuff was all very normal, like every. My mum would cook steak and kidney pies two or three times a week. And so the smell of cooking chuck and, and kidney was almost omnipresent, like mm-hmm. it was always there. Um, and so now it's not surprising that those are the cuts that I get excited about. You
2: know? That's what's normal. Tell me, um, so cut your, cut your own teeth there in the, um, in the kitchen... Moved through school, moved out of home, took that interest with you. What was the next sort of chapter of life?
0: Um, so I moved out of home and I went to uni and I studied exercise science, um, which I kind of love. I love the topic. Um, hated being at uni. You know, I'd be better off there now. But I just, I just hated being, I hated being a student. I think mm. I don't know why. I spent the least amount of time I could on campus. I just went in for what I needed to do, and then went out. Um, anyway, there's probably, I probably need to unpack that. But um, <laughs> I finished uni in '98. I did, I did all right, and then it felt to me like at that point. I had to make the decision as to what career I was going to walk into
2: for the rest of my life. You felt you needed to? I, I felt, yeah.
0: I felt. Because my mum at that point, they'd been running pubs for maybe, I think they did close to 40 years in in totality, but maybe in 98 they'd done 30 years. And then there was a few of my peers that, who hadn't gone to uni that were in their fifth, sixth year of their job and I was like oh far out I have not you know my 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 degree is a, in exercise physiology or exercise science wasn't particularly vocational it wasn't like it wasn't blaringly obvious to me what I was going to walk into I considered doing um uh physiotherapy but that would have meant another three years and I was I was done I didn't want to go back so then I was like right Given that I don't know what I wanna do, how can I defer that decision? So I remember sitting on the loo <laughs> reading a reading a magazine and the magazine was like the best places to be for the millennium. Oh. <laughs> number one was Rio de Janeiro, number two was Sydney, and then there was a little in brackets it, it's hosting the Summer Olympics, you know. So great place to be for the uh, New Year's Eve, Millennium.
2: Mm.
0: Um, you know, oh, of one of the one of the first countries in the world to welcome in the new new year. Um, and then you know, it had the Olympics, and the Olympics were always something that I tuned into. I loved sport and and competition, and, and so I was like, right, well, that's my ticket, right? That's how I can defer this decision. I just need to get a ticket to Sydney, Australia, and then. You know, at least do three months. I probably don't want to do more than six months and then I'll come back and then I'll sort out my career and the rest of my life. Um, So I never thought for one moment that I would do more than six months. You know, I had this big farewell and I was like, I've just got to do more than three or else I'm going to look like a bit of a loser. (laughs) Didn't you just
2: leave? (laughs) What are you back here for?
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've got to do more than three. I I doubt I'll do more than six, you know. Um, and I reckon the second day, I was like, I'm never leaving. So into
2: Sydney? Into what Sydney. Was it? What was it? Did you go to Bondi somewhere or go clubbing? Or no, what I met know? this
0: guy in a pub in, in England prior to going, and he'd been to Australia a number of times, and he was like, don't go to Bondi, everyone goes to Bondi, go
2: to Coogee. Oh yeah. Which, you know. Oh, the, the, what, the, 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 the Coogee Hotel?
0: <laughs> yeah, I stayed a backpack is just up the pigeon bay. A flight, go to yeah, experiment. that's
2: right. Salinas as it was. Salinas, really. that's right. Yeah. It's still there.
0: Yeah. It's still there. Yeah, um, um so I went there and I and then within a day or two I I hired a camper van, I think, and went up the coast. Mm. And then that 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 was me. I was sold. I was like this place is unbelievable. And so then guess how i stayed here was i met my ex-wife tashi's mum after about six months and and we became de facto and the rest is history
2: (laughs) (laughs) we can't finish it there we can't finish it there so there's some gaps there um there's some massive gaps i know they there are so um but you had your challenges though not personal well i mean not i'm not you know, relationship not those, but like health challenges, though. So you had your <laughs> what so what what job were you doing or what was and then I'm interested to know like where did the sh- when when does someone become a chef, not a cook? And and where did that sort well, of yeah, where, when gonna, did that come into it? Well You can't get away, you're not just gonna end it there. Come <laughs> I was on. just gonna walk off. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> um,
0: well yeah, I guess that next part does segue into to where I am now. So having a a working holiday visa and then subsequently a few tourist tourism visas until I was sort of a temporary resident and then a permanent resident and then a citizen, like it sort of um, limited the type of industry or the type of work I could get. So it was either hospitality or construction, i.e., work that paid cash, that I didn't need a visa for. So I was sort of dabbling in construction for, for a little while until I could get sort of um, a more stable... Well, again, at this point, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I was pretty, pretty content, I guess, just being, sitting in, in, in construction. And then something pretty cataclysmic happened in 2005... So pre- predating all this, I haven't touched on it at all, but I'm like super sporty, right? Like I love, there's a few sports that I sort of, I get quite serious about, particularly soccer, but I love training, I love exercise, I love all that stuff. And then I am the guy that you see running everywhere, doing hills and sand and, you know, that, that lunatic that doesn't stop moving and then in 2005 whilst I'm working for this construction mob I I ruptured discs in my in my back in my lower back so never having an injury of that nature you know I just thought oh, okay well today's thursday I probably won't be able to go to the gym for a couple of days maybe have the weekend off and I'll be right on monday anyway monday rolled around I was in no better Shape. I was still on the floor in a lot of pain and discomfort. And so I started trying to heal my injury by going to physiotherapy and all, all the things that most of us would do, you know, physio, massage, acupuncture, osteo, all, all, all the kind of tried and tested. Um, anyway, that, that period of me not being able to move my body in a way that, you know, for the first 27 years I loved... And it was almost my identity, right? Like it was who I was. That that was rudely interrupted. And that lasted seven years. So in seven years I became depressed, um, isolated. Um, you know, there's always people around me, but I tuned right out. It was very hard for me to be present when you're dealing with the discomfort and pain of a of a back injury, and then the loss of identity and you know, I really fell into a bit of a heap, but you still have to present like a normal, happy person. Well, seven that's years one, is a long time. Seven
2: years, well, I, I thought you-
0: that that was me. I thought that that was my, my lot. I thought that that was the cards that I've been dealt and I've just got to deal with this for the rest of my life. So that was from 27. Um, yeah, I was 27 years old. I hadn't had children at this point. Um, yeah depressed. You know, there were moments where my back was okay-ish, and that's when Scott started to to come back. And I talk about me in the third person, but it's like mm. um, your well-being sort of re-emerges, and your lightness re-emerges. But when it's stifled through pain and discomfort, there's not much you can do
2: about it. Um, anyway, so... Just on, so seven years. Back to the actual injury itself. Mm. Was that? Was there? Were you like doing a massive? I don't know, whatever these ones are, <clears throat> clean and jerk or something. No, that, that Did it, or was it like a bang that saw Or was it just no, a deterioration? It was at, it was at
0: work. Um, the guy who I was working for, he pulled me off a job and said, "I'm having a pool belt at my home." I need you to lay the, the irrigation, you know, there's pipes coming off a pool and you need to dig out these irrigation channels for these pipes. And it was really clay soil, so I was digging, you know, for days on end, filling barrows and skips and stuff. And it was like on day three, late in the afternoon, you know, using one of those long-handled shovels. So They're not, not ideal, and I literally... Dug the shovel in, twisted as I'd done hundreds of times before, and just heard this like audible pop. Oof! And I was like, "Oh, that doesn't that doesn't feel well. It doesn't sound right." But it started to like seize up and stiffen. Um, but I carried on working um, like an idiot. You know whether it made any difference, I don't know. The injury, had, you know, it, it would it had ruptured. Um, anyway, I got in the car. And this is how ridiculously religious I was about exercise. I used to drop the car off to my ex-wife and then so she could, I used to drop the car off at her work so she could drive once she'd finished work back home and I would run. And that was from Bondi Junction to Bondi, so not not far. And I left the, the keys under the seat and I started, I went to start running and all this like a lightning bolt right up my back and down my legs. I was like... I ain't running anywhere, so I, I hobbled home, and that's when the the convalescing started. You know, by the time I got home, I laid on the floor, and then for seven years I was kind of not the man who I once was, and not, certainly not the man who I wanted to be. Um, and what, I,
2: what does that do to a man? Well, I I think
0: about this, and, I, and maybe if you're if you're the type of guy who's sedentary and kind of happy, just kind of, I don't know what the right expression is, but kind of, I guess someone who isn't using their body to the fullest. And you could argue the injury occurred because I was exploiting my body. I was pushing it to the, and I think that's probably what happened. It wasn't necessarily the, the action at the work site per se. It was all the preceding stress and load I'm putting on myself not feeling myself right over exercising mm. under you know I probably had a bit of neuroses around how I looked So I'm, you were
2: pretty fit though so so uh, you so you were strong you
0: know I was I was probably incredibly fit probably not I'm much stronger now like I trained I used to do a lot of running a lot of cardio a lot of running heel sprints, Sand sprints, lot, lots of races, half marathons is probably the furthest I went, but lots of competitive ten k runs, but just not resting. I, I, I mm. would, wouldn't let myself off the hook. Um, yeah, it became a, um, and I had an unhealthy relationship with exercise. There's no, there's no question about that. There was a real neurosis around it. Um, so then I guess I'm, I'm almost not. I'm not satisfied with you know you know four years in five years in maybe some people start to think, okay, there's nothing I can do, but I was like, no I'm, I don't want to acknowledge that these are the cards I've been dealt what there must be something else out there, so I saw everybody yeah Kairos, um, osteos, healing hands. Um,
2: so science, so, so all the way from sort of a very science based to bit of yeah, weird, well, weirdo stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> well,
0: because I, I, I've got an exercise science background, and I've had I had scans, and I could see, um, I could see you know it's empirical to me that you know you could see the bulges within mm. the discs. The MRIs told the story, and so to me, in my rational brain, in my um, Sciencey brain was like, okay, well, there needs to be a mechanical solution. If there's going to be a solution, it's got to be a mechanical solution that fixes it. But within that time, you know, I got pretty desperate, and I did, I did see a lady who, who claimed to have healing hands. Nothing moved the needle. Like I might get a little respite from a massage or some needles going in. But then, within, within half an hour of leaving leaving the clinic, I'm like, "Oh, there it is; it's come back." And then, I guess this is the crux, right? So, this, although I see this time as the worst time in my life, throw in a a divorce and um, it, within that seven years, like it's it's without a doubt the hardest time of my life. But equally, it's the best time because it taught me a lot about myself and my resilience and it taught me, I always said to myself, if I ever come good, if I ever fix this fucking thing are we allowed to swear on this podcast?
2: If I ever
0: fix this thing, I'll never complain about anything else for the rest of my days. Now I'll be honest, I haven't I haven't lived up to that all that well Um, but you know, it's there, it's like a it's like a reference, you know, that's as low as I'll probably ever get. Um, so enjoy the day, you know, like, it's, you know, as bad as your day might get, it's better than wallowing in pain for fucking seven years. So anyway, seven years of every osteo and physio and, and chiro I could, I could come across. And then in that eighth year, I started to read around diet. And my diet wasn't terrible. But I can look back and go, okay, well, there's some potholes there. There's some things that... So anyway, what I was reading was telling me that there are foods that are pro-inflammatory and there's a bunch of foods that were anti-inflammatory. So at that point, I really had nothing else to lose. So I, I modified my diet according to those sort of two buckets, if you like. I systematically modified it by eliminating... Not, not cutting back... But eliminating the foods that were pro inflammatory and like, embracing with open arms the foods that were anti inflammatory. And I became really militant about that. Like I was not the kind of guy that you'd want over for dinner anymore.
2: <laughs> the, the invites Sorry, dropped. Oh, we'd love to have Scott, but he's such a pain in the ass. Yeah, probably not. Well, even would you that bring first your own stuff either. or would you go into the kitchen and go, don't you be bloody giving me any? Uh, I, in all
0: honesty, Until like, No
2: invited you <laughs> Yeah.
0: No one invited me. Not many people were invited <laughs> me anyway. But then it was like, oh, he's that fucking troublemaker.
2: I'd be the him and his back and his food uh, shit. Yeah, cushions to prop him up. What a
0: <laughs> what a loser.
2: He's in a frame. <laughs> so what about what about what about exercise in that time? I mean, you 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 were incapacitated somewhat. So was that a, was that a frustration? Like you knew oh. what I felt like to be fit and healthy. You couldn't necessarily. Do a lot of that, and so you were caught between you know, you can't well, do it, but you want to, you <clears throat> so what do you do? Well, you're just, exactly. you're just sort of like you're sedentary, and you did you, did you feel like well, shit well, I, of it?
0: well, I would get in my own way a lot of the time, so I would go, Okay, my back's not so bad today, mm. so I'm gonna do something, yeah. But given that I'm a maniac, you know, yeah, uh, I've got a you know, at that point, I had an ego around exercise, and I'm a red-blooded male. I would, I wouldn't be doing like Pilates Pilates type remedial mm. smart exercise. Well, would, you wouldn't tell anyone if you did, anyway. No, God no. <laughs> no, just for the record, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. I, I would do I've more than I. <laughs> <clears throat> I would do more than I should for yeah. my condition and my state and so it would agitate it and i'd be in a position where i really couldn't do anything for the next
2: your own worst enemy yeah
0: oh always getting in my my own road um so yeah i I dabbled but it it wasn't anything it wasn't anything like it was before in terms like you do a session and there's you know you've enjoyed it you've worked up a sweat you feel great it was actually wasn't intensive enough to give you the elation Mm. but it was intensive enough to agitate your back and make it worse and so then you're like you're an idiot Scott like you know and this was like years of this behaviour so
2: then you turn around and do it the next week though
0: yeah oh yeah like you're an actual you're an idiot (laughs) (laughs) you said it yeah no
2: totally And so, seven years of that. What was the what was the moment? So, so you're starting a bit of a nutrition journey there because of you know, like you you, you've taken the reins and gone right. I need I need to be reducing inflammation. I need to source foods that are anti-inflammatory. You know, was there was there sort of a convergence of your interest in food from the the pub days and your growing up to sort of like you know, creative culinary stuff to like. You know, I've got to do this and find these foods. When, when did that all sort of turn into, you know, a an interest or a convergence of those things? And then, when did the chef bit happen? Like, what, you know, that where? was like
0: fourteen questions there,
2: Charlie. I oh, know. Um, I was going to have a break here. You got to dance around that for a while. light up a what? cigarette <laughs> <laughs> again? Oh no, I don't smoke.
0: Um, yeah, I guess I became quite militant about what was in and what was out. And what was in was actually some of those foods that my mum used to cook, right? So the livers and the kidneys and the, the broth and all those, That you know. Yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess I could see that there were, as I said, potholes. And so I started to smooth those out. Um, And then because you become, or because I became quite militant and regimented about what was in, the only way I could control what was in was to make it myself. So when you go to a cafe or a restaurant, rather than being that pain-in-the-ass customer, can I just check with the chef if he's got, you know, if they've put in that, that, that. It's like, okay. It's not to say I didn't eat out, but you know, 99 times out of 100, I'd be like, well, I know what I need for my my healing process, so the easiest way, the most convenient way, the quickest way is just to make it myself. Mm. And so this was like 2013, and I started to cook a lot more than I'd ever done because I couldn't rely on the cafe down the road or the restaurant down the road or the dial-in, well, not that we did much dial-in at back then, but I had to become like... Um, the custodian, I guess, of my own health. Right, I had to take it into my own hands. I couldn't rely on outsourcing that stuff anymore. And so I started to really, I, I guess, you know, it was a paleo way of eating. Um, and so at that point, I was cooking more. I was getting more adventurous. Obviously, what you're cooking from, the the bounty of foods that you're cooking for, from, is It's certainly not limited, but it's a certain bucket of food, right? You're not not cooking with pasta and bread and all that sort of stuff. You're cooking from this. And this was all stuff that was in my mum's fridge back in the day Um, and all those cuts of meat that we've talked about. So it was all kind of familiar, but it was the first time really I I was sort of getting creative and um, mixing things up a little bit. And then... um, I got invited to go on a cooking show. So that was 2000. Oh sorry, this was 2012. I got to film it. What was the show? It was My Kitchen Rules. Oh yeah. And so for six months, because because we we did reasonably well. And so if you do reasonably well, you're on it for months. And we were there in the semi final. So we we which takes about six months to film. So in six months. When you say
2: we... Who oh, is-
0: sorry, yeah, I've got my kitchen rules for those unfamiliar with it. You, you buddy up, you go you know, with your best mate or your, your mum or your dad or your brother or whatever. In this instance, I was with a guy who shared very similar values around health and nutrition and, and fitness. He was another PT um, in, in the same park that I was training at. And so, How does
2: one get to? You, you said you're invited to do that. Well, yeah. Someone goes, "Hey, you, you a been looking boy. He, he bloke. invited me. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So he he had a connection, or he had some. Sort no, of, he he. He said we should do this.
0: He, um, I'd expressed to him we were, we were friends, and um, I'd expressed to him that I wanted to, you know, this is 2012, right? And so I could see that there was a ceiling to my business as a personal trainer. But I wanted to break out of that ceiling. So the only person that I could see in my industry that had done that and done that with success was Michelle Bridges. So she yeah. had this online platform. Yep. So she didn't have to be in the park. She could touch all these people's lives, whether you're in Wagga or Perth or, mm. you know, wherever. I thought, that. well, that's genius. I, I need to get to a place where people people knew about her because of Biggest Loser. So is there a way that I can engineer my popularity to increase beyond the people in Bondi that come to my boot camps? And so I, I looked at getting PR, and that was not cheap. No. I couldn't afford it. Um, and so then I said to this guy, Luke, I said if I write a program, do you want to come in on, you know, two heads are better than one? So I started chiselling away at this online program, which I thought was going to be, you know, my my golden goose. And then he came to me a few weeks later. He was like, we need to do My Kitchen Rules. And I was like, I, he was like a trash TV connoisseur. <laughs>
2: he knew, you didn't know what he was doing. I, no. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, let's do that. So we made this like cheeky <laughs> Um, cheeky video like you had to sub- you didn't have to yeah. but you we submitted a video with our application um, that was on a Friday on the Monday you said you know we're going to send some a producer around with a camera guy and they're going to film you cooking um, so as, a,
1: as,
2: a, as a like a a, a, test. a a test or a casting or whatever it was yeah it, exactly and I was so you like well, shirts off <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> so, I
0: mean, we did alright the cooking thing and then
2: in then the show, and you did it in the, as a as a as a contestant or as a team. No, in, in, the, in the in that in oh, that the little casting. casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did
0: enough to get we we got in.
2: Yeah. Right. Um,
0: but I, I didn't know the the format of the show. I hadn't seen an episode, let alone a series. And then and then, he kept saying, "You need to come and watch." He had all this like not on video you need to see what you're getting getting involved in so the episode that he showed me was one from the previous season and it must have been really late in the game by which time all teams have improved they're now serving restaurant quality food you know it's plated up it's looking attractive it's looking you know stuff that you'd get you expect to find in a restaurant and I was like Mate, <laughs> like we are so far beyond. Like I can cook nutritional food, yeah. and I can make it taste reasonable. But like this is so. At that point, I started to, you know, get pretty nervous about it. So I just we just crammed every day. We'd meet up. We 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 treated it like work. We'd meet up. We'd cook three things every day for about six weeks. Um, and then we got on the show, and then as I said, we were there for six weeks, uh, six months, and that's you know I, I didn't see much of my my son, I didn't see much of my partner. Work becomes, you know, you have to sort of yeah, shut shut down yeah. shop for a little while, and that's all we did. We practiced, um, competed, deep dive recipes, practice, practice, practice. So you become very immersed in this one thing, and we got. As did everyone else, much better at that thing, and so I came off the show, and I could, and I was so m- much more passionate about cooking than any time in my past. I've always cooked, as I've said, like I've always cooked for myself, but having that immersive experience with food and ingredients and flavors and combinations, you go, huh? I bloody love this thing. And so that, that sort of planted a seed that I haven't really, you know, that I've allowed to germinate and flourish and it's taken me in various different avenues. But um, but I guess that was the, I guess the, the seed started when I was six maybe in the kitchen, but the, the impetus really sort of, that was the, the catalyst, right? That was
2: the thing that kind of... It was fertilised. Yeah, yeah. fertilised. So, so you'd obviously, you know, so this was like the seven, the, the seven years. There'd been seven years, and so this is post that you'd, you'd got to a point where you you were you were able to. You were training in a park, and you had your own business, and that's thing. So mm. you'd obviously got to a point where you were better. No, no. So the, is this we, within the seven years?
0: So this is the we filmed in 2012, aired in 13, and it's 2013 that I'm starting to like feel the benefits of my particular diet. So I I sank deeply into the world of paleo and we were talking about the paleo diet. Not that they aired any any of that content, but we were being explicit about that type of
2: food on the what, show. They weren't airing it because it was a bit controversial, a bit topic? Yeah, probably it sort
0: of <clears throat>
2: you know, we I don't know why they didn't.
0: I, we were we were um Earmarked, you know that we were called. Our nickname was the Healthy PTs or something. But they didn't, you know. We spoke ad nauseum probably about the health benefits of this, that, and the other. But they kind of didn't. They cut all, all of that out.
2: That's interesting. Because um, that, I mean, I guess Paleo 2013. I'm just thinking, you know, when 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 you know there were a few cafes in Sydney popping up that were doing a bit of that you know paleo was more of a thing people were still mm. confused about what it actually was mm. you know so and there was always conjecture as to what you know what was in what was no you're not allowed to eat beans <laughs> no you can't eat beans they'll, they'll bloody kill you kill, that's right or I mean I'm not even sure quite where that line was but I guess cause there, was, there was your hardcore paleos um, and then there was the ones that just kind of adopted principles yeah, well, I, and, I was
0: a hardcore paleo and I was probably a you know, I, I realised that I had to become extreme because, you know, it wasn't just a message that I was spruiking. It was, I was the case study, right? So I was the mm. N equals one. These foods are helping me repair. And look, you know, like, it's not a clinical control trial. My back may have just come good at that period of my life. Who knows? But I was getting a, a loud signal that by cutting out these foods and embracing these, something
2: was shifting. So, and what did you cut out? Like just oh, uh, beans. All forms of legume. Yeah, legumes. Really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. No beans. No, no, no beans. What are they? Are they, are they? are they? Are they? Inflammatory? Are there things oh. in it?
0: Well, the the. The conjecture is that there's certain things within certain foods that cause inflammation. So
2: mainly plants, mainly those food, like those. Um, uh, what's it called? Chem- um, what are those chemicals in foods? There's a name for it. Phytates. Phyt- yeah. Yeah. Is that so the, 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 the
0: phy- phytase or phytic acid is pro-inflammatory, and so in a bid to minimise the impact of inflammation on your system, then. you should minimize you know i I don't really i certainly don't prescribe to this mode of philosophy of eating anymore but you know there's there's compounds within foods whether that's tannins sopinins gluten gliadin um phytic acid all these things that trigger inflammation so you need to like you know Mm. put all that to one side in a bid to keep inflammation at at bay and so off goes your bread off goes your legumes off goes your your, your pulses um what else pasta and so it's a wheat so then you're like oh, what am I going to put on my what am I going to put my eggs on
2: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know and that's just a habit, right? You just put eggs on toast because that's what
2: you've been doing. What, hang on, what does an egg taste like without toast? That's oh. a, What must be disgusting! I'll, I'll give you an. <laughs> um, so you just have to like, yeah.
0: um, um, you know, break down those certain habits that we, you know. And so, anyway, I, I don't. I, you know, I guess it made an impactful difference to my. Mobility and pain and discomfort, and so as all that started to reduce, and this took about a year. Mm. So I, I, as I said, became very militant about what was in and what was out. Um, and then over weeks, wasn't like months. Over weeks, it started to, you know, I started to like. You know, it's not not that not as stiff, mm-hmm. not as painful, and I started to when I was training. My ability to recover, so it wasn't triggering uh, an episode as long as it had before. So as I said before, like I'd train pig-headedly and it would be intense enough to elicit a, you know, a, an inflammatory episode where I then couldn't do anything and that might be weeks, right? Now it was only days, so I could train more often, so that was helping my headspace immediately. Um, And so over the course of a year, I got back in the gym. I got back to, well, I started to introduce lifting. I remodeled how I trained. I stopped running. I was like, okay, well, if I can't run, that's fine. It was a thing that I loved and enjoyed and was passionate about. But if I can move my body in another way and get enjoyment out of that, then that's okay. I can let running go. So I started to, to get in the gym and lift. In a way that you would think would be counterintuitive for a back injury, I was squatting and deadlifting and all the things that you know you kind of wince if you see someone do it and you know they've got a back injury. But it worked, and this combination of of smarter exercise combined with that controlled, managed diet in a year, I was pretty much rid of the back injury how
2: in your back injury was was a ruptured disc or or a couple of discs it was it it was the main
0: culprit was l5 s1 and then the two above that so lumbar spine um, but that the the main guy was that s1 ruptured
2: yeah ruptured disc so how i mean how does the body repair that rupture bulging does the body repair that you know does it was strengthen it like because because I, I imagine most people with that injury would default to operations and God knows what's um, fusing and things yeah you can have
0: cages and fuses and so i i, I spoke to surgeons that performed that type of operation they seemed to think that I wasn't the candidate for that which i'm I'm grateful that they had that kind of um, opinion of my injury um, so I've had many MRIs subsequent to that first one so there's no denying that there's a bulge on that first MRI on that lower vertebrae, and that lower disc and then over that seven years you know, I had many and over that time it, instead of it being so a healthy disc is sort of you know not oblong, but... <laughs> you know, it's, Not rectangle. It's spherical. Yeah. yeah. You know, not a perfect circle. And then you get a bulge, and so like this a- inner... There's like a... The middle bit is quite gooey. Um, it's a, subs- a substance, and then it's got this thick, really thick um, membrane. Yeah. What happens is the inside of that membranes is compromised, and so that gooey gel-like substance starts to push out and it forces the it it sort of compromises the shape and that's when it can push on your nerves and but over time it kind of so I guess my the caveat is that maybe taking the food away for a second it may be that over time my back would have come good anyway and maybe I just assisted it with the foods maybe the, the way I've sort of because it It's not a controlled um, study. It's not a clinic. It's just me, my experience. I am the case study. The way that I've um, positioned it in my mind is that there's no doubt food can cause inflammation. And there's no doubt that your body's MO is to try and heal itself. That's what we do, and we do it very efficiently if we give it the right inputs, right? So you're eating the right quantity of foods, you're giving it the energetic requirements and then you're giving it a whole spectrum and gamut of vitamins minerals and nutrients and at that point your body will do what it does best and that's to try and heal and, and repair but if you're giving your body a bunch of things that produce inflammation then instead of giving your it's, it's now its bandwidth to repair is compromised because it's got spot fires here and there. Mm. So I just eliminate, in my mind, in my logic, I've just eliminated those spot fires. And so now my, all the attention, the healing and the repair can go towards my, my lumbar spine.
2: You gave um, it the opportunity I with gave all the right ingredients and situation to, yeah. to get better. Yeah, that's exactly right. So seven so back to the my kitchen rules and so you you were you were not out of the woods at that point you were saying oh got no um, it, it, it had it, had it served you being on the show was it a good thing got oh, you got you into hundred percent yeah I mean from a from a notoriety sort of point of view and yeah where, what it would take you, you wanted to yeah
0: take, it's um Whether I do it all again is another thing, but I, it was it was hard, and for someone who's an introvert like myself, it's sort of you're you're rubbing up against. It was ballsy, yeah. Mm. Like the guy that I went on with, he's an extrovert, and he almost used it as a as a um, an audition because he wants to be in front of the camera. He wants to present. Which I just found like so jarring because I want to be in the background. I don't want to be on camera. Um, I don't mind cooking on camera because that's you sort of focused on Mm. on the thing, the task at hand. But speaking to a camera is a
2: what's happened? (laughs) Speaking on camera. (laughs) You love doing it, but you're you're now on an hour and eighteen minutes, so you clearly like it. Um, yeah, I do now because, well, not that I,
0: I love it, but I, I realised when this is what has happened, Charlie, is that the the personality type that I am, being in that world of media at that point in my life was so jarring. It was it caused me so much stress, um, and it didn't. The honesty didn't help. It helped in some way to have a partner who was the personality type. Be- that he was because he sort of pulled me forward a little bit but in some ways it was I was trying to compare my my delivery and my style to his he was like this natural born presenter he was very good on camera very very charismatic and engaging and had no reservations no fear around it I was like dripping in fear <laughs> and so then he'd come on come off a show like that that's very popular and all of a sudden you you do get noticed but more importantly which is kind of what I wanted from it is that you get asked to come and speak about a diet or health to whoever yeah <clears throat> and so I remember I, I in those very early days you know I'm only off the show a couple of months and um, I got asked to speak at the MCA to you know 200 people and um, and back then, I used to learn my my thing, learn my speech—not a speech, but learn my talk. Prezzo, yeah, yeah mm. verbatim in my head.
2: Yeah, like scripted almost. Yeah,
0: because I thought like having notes or having something on the lectern that you could reference was you couldn't do that, or that was cheating or something. So I would have it like I'd learnt lines, like I was an actor or something, which was fine as long as you didn't lose where you
2: were. And then there's no one, there's not a... Um, there's no one prompting you. No um. one prompting
1: you.
0: So this this happened at the MCA. So I'm like 20 minutes into a 40-minute presentation that I'm just regurgitating out of my mouth from my brain, you know, learnt lines, and then I go, oh, where was I? And because I, I'm not not then in a position that I can freestyle, different yeah. now. Yeah. I then have this thing called splitting, which I'm not sure whether you've ever come across it no. experienced it. So as a, as a defence mechanism, we can either fight or flight, right, or, or we can freeze. And yeah. so when I lost my train of thought and I couldn't grab onto that next line... My defence mechanism was to, well, to fly. So I've spoken to psychologists about this, and my brain goes into flight, so my brain buggers off.
2: Yeah, shuts down. Yeah, yeah. And
0: now I'm still there. I can't, I can't take flight.
2: You can't I'm find the, the threat of the next line yeah, or the next thing. Yeah. And so
0: not only that, it's like the next level to that is that you don't know, like everything just goes, right? So you, it's not like you're just clutching for the next line you're clutching what was I talking about why am I here who, who are all these people standing you know it, right. it really like so you're literally stepping
2: board. out you're stepping out of that scenario into, into a fresh on a fresh page going I don't know what, the yeah. On, what happened yeah so, so that's what happened on stage so
0: yeah so I've got you know 200 people looking at me and probably like feeling for me you know poor, poor bastard doesn't know and so at that point my the guy that i went on the show with, he was sort of left, you know, off stage, he comes on and saves me and then finishes off his thing and can ad-lib and spontaneous talking and quite amazing. But it disarmed me. I'm like, I'm now standing on stage like a fool.
2: Did did, did people, did did they see that happen or is it like yeah. oh that's all part of the thing I, no, now no, no, now no. it's almost no, no. no
0: i you know was looking at my feet for a little while going oh god what you know what was i saying what was i what was the train of thought but the more you're in the longer that yeah the longer that occurs the less likely is that you know the more fear builds up god there is all spiraling these yeah, kind of you're spiraling yeah spiraling yeah and so then i was like i never want that to happen ever again so i I went and saw a performance coach. I went to see a kinesiologist. It was like two or three people I went to see that helped me become better at public speaking. But really, like I was saying this to Till the other day when we were talking about this subject, that really it's like you've got to do the reps. You've actually just got to stand up and talk in front of people. That's like yeah. the biggest way to improve.
2: And make the mistakes and... and and because you will, and you do, and yeah. everyone always does, I guess. Just maybe smaller ones and less often, and
0: yeah, and not caring about the mistakes. Yeah. I think that's so instead of spiraling, you've sort of
2: you, you make a brush joke about it, up. Of it yeah. yeah. And so that was again, uh, I mean, not, not a low point, but that was certainly another catalyst for improvement or to move to you know to. I mean, I guess it's another your presentations and your ability to public speak now is another. Feather in your cap that you've got, you know, your incremental improvement in yeah, in who you are now.
0: Yeah, because I I, I I became I, I sort of pledged to myself to be like the yes man, so I, I wanted something that increased my my um, reach, so I did that, went on a show, and so now for the next year or whatever, probably longer, I was just like yes. You're getting You're, all these invitations. You'll do it. You'll yeah. just, yeah yeah yeah. 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 Just say yes, you Be know, panic later. <laughs> um, so I'm really, like, proud of myself for going, flying directly in the face of what is comfortable and uh, familiar. You know, I really wanted to, like, um, yeah, I really had to go against that because if, you know, if if I just stayed in the comfortable and the familiar, you know those opportunities would have dried up like no one's business. Well, you wouldn't you know?
2: have improved. Yeah, we well,
0: wouldn't have improved. Um, so yeah, now, like, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't seek it out, public speaking, but it doesn't disable. I went to, a, I was surprised I didn't see you there actually the other day at the sustainable table.
2: Was that in, uh, where was that one this year? Um, it
0: was at the, uh, the Commons the, in Marrickville or? When was that on?
2: Thursday. Just gone? Just gone. Oh, two days ago? Yeah. I was sure you'd be there. I didn't know it was on. No, Sustainable Table isn't um, in, you know, um, Victoria-based, um, those guys, Sustainable hmm. Table, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. No, look, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, it was I good. love it. I love, yeah, that's a great spot. Did you talk there? I, I didn't talk
0: there, but um, it was one of those scenarios that you know the the team introduced themselves and gave a little speech about what they're trying to achieve, and and then which I, and then she says, right, okay, maybe if we could just sort of loosen up a little bit and make a form a big circle, and then we would go around the circle. and... Share a little bit about yourself and who you are, and
2: so, so was there a, a lot of people there? Like to make a Oh sort no, of like twenty,
0: twenty five or something. Yeah, but those words would have just like you'd have been. Oh, I would horrifying. have buckled at the knees, yeah. you know, like um, ten ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago. But now I am like, oh, yeah, it's fine. When when the when it's my turn, um, you know, I'll just. You know, you get a little bit, bit nervous when the guy next year's <laughs> wrapping up his thing and it's quite funny. Oh, <laughs> prick!
2: Can you, it's in, it's you're hoping the guy next year's boring as yeah. shit. Yeah. Do you have an elevator pitch? Do you have like a little and no. like that sort of a thing? Like I've got a You've got a. You've got a thirty-second like. hi, oh, no. I'm Scott Gooding, and I. No. My you no. know. No. no.
0: My elevator pitch goes on for like half an hour. It's
2: like a escalator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: no, I'm, I'm terrible at that. That's why I kind of like podcasts because I ramble and I, you know, clutch at ideas. And I'm not one of those like super punchy, mm. um, neatly concise kind of guys. I'm
2: clearly <laughs> <laughs> a minute, clearly, uh, an hour and a half oh. in. Let's jump to, to to well, not today, but to to now. So because you've got. um You've got lots coffee. of things going on. Oh, why not? Just try a little in there. It'd be awesome. That's a great... I haven't seen a La Crusade coffee thing before. Got it Got it in the UK. Oh, do they have them out here? Do they sell them out... Don't Maybe know. on the line. I might it, be yeah. able to get it online. This is delicious. I'll be up all night, but who cares? <laughs> it's Easter Saturday. Um, so, what... Tell me about... Tell me about... Actually, you know what? There's a bit missing there, because... Um, Matilda's in your life, and we don't need to, you know, delve into all that, but that's been, you know, I've, I've known you guys for a couple of years now, and I see some amazing things. You know, the Good the good Farm Shop um, is, um, is 12, 18 months old now. Is that Eight, 18, 18 months old now? Let's talk about that, because that's that, that, that looks to me from sort of, I guess, an outsider's point of view is a wonderful union of your skills and your passion and you know t- 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 tell us about that yeah so we, we started um, the Good Farm shop yeah 18 months ago
0: it would have been like September, August, September 20 in the
2: guts of yeah. COVID yeah.
0: Um, which really had like I mean it's still, it's still a humble business now there's no ifs or buts about that but it started off as simply a cow share scheme yeah. that we Till's mum and dad have a farm that's farmed regeneratively um, up the coast and so we were like how do how do we eat that meat you know how do we feed our family that meat so we we, we li- literally just um, got an email together sent it out to friends and family if we pulled if we plucked this animal off the property who who would want to go in on it and
2: it was thing? one of theirs. one of their yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, because we couldn't find anywhere around here that had that type of provenance, you know, like mm. that type of, you know, our local butcher, he's a lovely guy, but he, you know, kind of doesn't know where, you know, where, where's that Scotch for, oh, I don't know, doesn't know, like.
2: And sometimes they'll tell you what you want to hear anyway. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of that as well.
0: Um, and so, I hope he doesn't listen to this.
2: Um, oh no, he's he's one of our patron <laughs> patron community. He's going to get it hot <laughs> he's a off the very rep. nice guy. <laughs> we don't. Well, no one's going to know who he is, except for your close family members. Who?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you so Started off as a, a as a cow share scheme that we would do once a month. End of the month, we you know we sell boxes five kilo, ten kilo boxes mm. until such time that there was enough to extract a body off the property Um, sounds like murder doesn't it Um, uh, and that is exactly what murder, yeah. and so that's that's how it started its life and we rolled that model out for a couple of months maybe three months and then we were like well maybe we should add um, eggs maybe we should add chicken Mm -hmm. maybe we should add lamb maybe we should add Quail, and so we started to like diversify, and within a short period of time, we became essentially an online butcher that were that we were using and plugging into various small independent regenerative farms around predominantly New South Wales. Um, the other thing that happened was that we went from a once a month business, you know, sending out disseminating. Boxes at the end of each month to like, um, you know, you can order me any time, or you can order our products any time, and it will be delivered within two or three business days. Um, so, and now, and so there was there was limitations with that model for us anyway in our experience, um, and one was the proportion of. Certain cuts versus, you know, if you if you butcher an animal like a a cow, let's say, not all cuts are evenly just distributed. You get a lot of chuck, you get a lot of mince, you get a lot of round steak, but you don't get much eye fillet. But the eye fillet is highly prized, and everyone wants one of those in their box. And so, after about five months of this, we realised, okay, we have got a shitload of mince here. And we're still having to pull off more bodies off the property because we've run out of scotch and t-bones and the such. And so I started to turn some of those cuts, the mince, the chuck, the uh, osso, into ready meals. Yep. Which over time became more popular than people ordering the 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 other stuff. And so we went to the UK at Christmas. Got really inspired by what we saw. In that ready meal space over there, and came back and completely ditched the butchery side of our business, so we stopped the fre- the fresh
2: the, the fresh um, meat or the, the yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah.
0: So we just and now it's um now we know what we are. It's we're not trying to do a million and one things. We are a ready meals company that yeah. you know. I guess it's worth noting that the world doesn't need another ready meals. Company, but maybe well, not a generic one. Not a generic one. One, one that, the one that has integrity, and there's mm. a there's a, a, a nod to the provenance of the produce. Um, but I have to say, like, it's just, it's lovely. Maybe lovely is to, to um, not the right word, but it it's,
2: it's pretty awesome doing it with your partner I'd say that's lovely yeah yeah totally love's in there somewhere (laughs) love is in there no I I get get it what a a, a wonderful you know you
0: you know it, it just works for us because we're we're both at home we're both wrangling the kids and there's opportunity to you know float some ideas and you know take it in turns to get work done um, and all that's becoming easier with with both kids being at daycare and stuff. but um yeah, I think I think it's it's been good for our relationship to do it together.
2: Well, that's interesting you say that because I imagine there's lots of partners who have started businesses together, and it's probably not because of you know, I guess, for whatever reason, proximity, you know like work family, play, it's all all together. But for mm. you guys to have worked, for that to work is, is, a, yeah, is commendable. I, I think I've thought about this and I think it,
0: it has to come down to respect. You have to have respect for the other person and I obviously did before we started the business together. But having... Ha- Till comes from a different um, industry altogether. She's from film, directing, acting writing, like like her brain fizzes with creativity. And so, you know, she's not doing... She's now not doing what her first love, and that is her first love, that, that creative writing TV shows and directing and things like that. But all she's done, she's a, she's a forced hill. Like, she's transformed that creativity that she exhibited in that industry and repackaged it over here in the form of, like, problem-solving, conjuring up new ideas and ideation. Like, it's just a different version of creativity. It's quite... And so she's just this furnace of, like, ideas and propagating ideas and...
2: Is she she solving... Well, I guess you are, as a a duo, you, you are... Are you solving a problem? Yeah. What, anyway, what problem are you solving, do you think?
0: <clears throat> well, this this sort of... It was good to be at this sustainable table gig because you realise that there's other people in this space that are attempting to solve a common problem. I think the good farm shop, as I said, there's not we don't need another ready-meals company, but we need one that has the integrity. And I think the problem... if we we were were to name the problem that we're trying to solve is to I guess it's probably twofold or maybe more but one might be that I think it's about time that we sort of pricked our ears and eyes open to where our food has come from and what food system we're sort of supporting Um, and it's not a conversation about meat versus plant because it doesn't matter what your preference is if where you're getting it from i mean that's the most important thing so whether you're eating your 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 lentils and your your anti meat if you're getting it from a an industrialized food system then you're still contributing to you know potentially poor ecology and you know all the rest of it likewise with the the animal side of the ledger so i think one of the biggest problems is that we've Got to a point in our society that we can shop somewhat obliviously. We can shop unconsciously, almost. You know, it's a very privileged position to be in. The, in that we can walk down each supermarket aisle, and there's an abundance of options, and we can just throw it in our trolley or our basket and not pay any sort of um, pay any attention or credit to where that, you know, Exhibit A has come from. And so I think I think that's one of the problems that we're trying to sort of... We're starting to, you know, through our social media and through the website and through everything that Till and I do, we, we try and sort of... We're not trying to ram things down people's throats, but we're just trying to gently nudge them to... that There is this other way of eating and there is this... You know, this sustainable table event the other day, it is actually about remodelling the, the, the food landscape, remodelling the, the mm-hmm. food system. We've, we've, we've got to, in 2023, a very ingrained, excuse the pun, food system that there aren't many winners, really, um, from the grower or the farmer the land, the animals, like, there's not, you know, we shouldn't be high-fiving that system, I don't think. So there is this alternative, and you know this very well, there is this alternative way to produce food that doesn't deplete the soil, that doesn't, um, that maximises, um, animal welfare and doesn't contribute to the, the climate problem that we have, um, but you know it is a it's nothing new you know you're in the world of biodynamics
2: that's nothing new no. but it's um, 100 years old next year yeah well i mean the, the, you know, it's in in that sort of state but yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah um, so it's it's a
0: you know in a, in a, when you zoom out a little bit we we just got ahead of ourselves as a as a species you know in a bid to get efficiencies and high production and high yields we've compromised a lot of things namely soil health um, animal welfare you know like there's some you know the industrialized food system is pretty it's pretty grotesque in places you know but it's it doesn't have to be and maybe there's a period at which you know the alternative food system the biodynamic or the region version it it just takes time to grow I feel like we've all been in a bit of an echo chamber but Mm -hmm. I feel like it's growing and there's some thought leaders and early adopters like Harris Farm that are trying to put um fly the flag for regen and good on them and so slowly that the foods that are coming through that system grows you know more farmers adopt that methodology and philosophy and and maybe we never get rid of that other version but but I'm hopeful that 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 um, silo that's that's producing food regeneratively like just grows over the time, and, it, and it, I think it will.
2: Oh, look, I look, I've no doubt it is growing, and we'll never get rid of not that we necessarily want to get rid of the other alternative because I just don't know. You know, it's. It's, it's, let's focus our energies on what we can, mm. you know, can do and can and can influence and change. And I guess back to sustainable table, they're 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 doing some fantastic things and initiatives and and helping fund you know initiatives in the space, which is. Um, uh, which is great, so I'll I have to keep in touch with them more, a bit more, and and you know contribute in in um in some different ways. Um, I'm conscious of time, and you, uh, yeah, we better we better wrap it up. What I want to do though before we do wrap this bit up is, um, we will get to some and we'll do a little Q and A for our Patreon community, um, and uh, those who are not a part of the Patreon community, then sadly you'll miss these next questions that relate to... This is, this is the good stuff This is the right? good stuff, yeah, no, we've just been dabbling, we've just been <laughs> dancing around the, the Skirt, hardcore questions. Skirting, skirting around, around it. <laughs> the now hardcore we're, questions we're going to hit you, hit you with in a minute. Um, so, but I do want you to touch on before we we, we we step into the next one, which we will do very quickly, is um, the Scott Gooding Project, because I, I want, oh. you know, where do people find, I know that's probably a, another podcast in itself, but, you know, where can they find you, you know, um, so that they can, you know, get to know you better and understand what you, what services and, 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 you know, what you're providing to the world and I guess really turning what you've told us into something that people can can tap into? Um,
0: yeah, look, I, I think the simple answer to that is the good farm shop. Mm. You know, I, I've done a million and one things in health and food and nutrition over the last few years and I've probably spread myself thin. But now it's just... Me, Till, Family, The Good Farm Shop, and that's, that's in it in a nutshell. Um, so if you want to, I mean, I do have an Instagram, which is Scott Gooding
2: Project. We'll have it all up on the, oh, on yeah. the notes for sure. Um,
0: but yeah, I mean, The Good Farm Shop is, is as much about the business as it is about education and family. Like there's a bit of
2: everything in there. Um, well, it's a combination of all of, 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 your, of your life. Well, your life oh, work. Yeah, you're, a young, young, you're a young fella, so there's a lot, well, of, a lot of your life to go, but well, you've, you've very, crammed a fair bit in.
0: I, I'm very lucky in the sense that the business that I have created with Teal is actually the amalgam of all the things that I've been working on for the last 20 years. You know, it's an amalgam of nutrition and food and cooking and and. Hopefully, doing something right by the environment and the planet, like it's 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 a pretty feel good um, business to be working in and on, and that just there's another layer to that in doing it with your with your wife, with your kids around. Like that's it's pretty cool. Like it's a privileged position to be in.
2: Totally, and but 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 well deserving of you to be in that situation though, because it's not as though it's all been beer and skittles all the way to this point. Mm. And again, it's that, you know, and it comes up time and time again with my guess is it's the challenges, it's the low points, you know, the, you, you, growth happens in the valley, not on the tops of hills, you know, so it's those, it's, it's, it's those challenges and it's those low points or those, you know, the dips that that initiate and the catalyst for change mm-hmm. and, and the pushing and the shoving and the, and the pain, you know, there's no growth stimulant like pain that you've certainly experienced, you um, at different points in your life which have propelled you into the space you're in and, the, and made you the person you are. So I think it's fantastic. I'm so glad we finally got to have this conversation. Yeah. It's no, we spent the first 20 minutes talking about <laughs> ghosts. ghosts. Um, Scott, I'm conscious of the time. You need to get going. We've are gonna a little quick Q&A and you can, if you need to jump in the car and go and I can pack up, I promise I'll shut the door.
1: I won't like you're right. I won't go
2: right. sniff your undies or anything like weird <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Remember last time you busted yeah. me doing that? I won't <laughs> <laughs> On Actually, I've got yours on now. I must give them back. Um, Scott, that has been such a lovely um, way to spend a Saturday afternoon up here at Wild Beach, overlooking amazing um, Pacific Ocean, having lovely chats. And I love that we, you know, I don't generally have much of a plan when I sit down and speak with my guests because I don't want to. I'd rather it go where it needs to go and sort of, you know, a bit of prompting and so on. But you've certainly... um, you know, any any reservations you might have had um, or any public speaking nervousness that you might have had once upon a time is clearly, even though it's just me. Yes, like, there's not, there's not like 200 people out the front there. There will be 2 million people listening to this. 2 million? Thing. 2 million, yes. Really? Like, yeah, I'm about, I'm just on a bit. That's what you told me at the end. Day one. Day one. <laughs> in the first 24 hours. Do you so, have 2 million? No. God, I wish I did. I'm no, no Joe Rogan. 2 million no. would be great. I'm, nearly, I'm probably clocking up a million downloads now. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, I have no idea. Might drop off now. <laughs> Do you reckon they'll go unsubscribe?
0: Oh, the guy I talked about fucking supernatural for the first twenty
2: minutes. <laughs> the, the, weird, the weirdo. <laughs> no, I got him. Yes, uh, I had that all rigged up. That was a prop. I actually, you yeah. know, pulled a string and went, "Oh, that oh, door open." Let's no. talk about spirits. Yeah. Um, let's get the Q and A. Q&A. That's been amazing. And again, Scott, thank you so much for your time. If you want to hear the Q and A. Um, Some questions that um, go far deeper than we've gone the last hour and 40 minutes, 50 minutes. They're all greedy stuff. Sign up for the Patreon community. Go to charlieart.com.au and listen to this Q&A. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Charlie. And next week on The Regenerative Journey, our guest is Alan Parker, wonderful um, uh, human behaviour expert, uh, neuroscientist, um, uh, a man, man who can <laughs> read human behaviour and, and um, uh, he's, he has a, he's had a fascinating life in that field. Um, that's next week on The Regenerative Journey. I've known Alan for many years now actually through the RCS group and it was just such a lovely thing to circle back with Alan to his life Um, having not seen him for some years, and um, he is an absolute dynamo. You'll just have to wait and hear hear how much of a dynamo next week on The Regenerative Journey. Alan Parker.
1: This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnott.com.au.